0: Good morning everyone. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Matty and I get to be part of the leadership here at Epiphany Station. And I just want to share a few things with you before we dive into the next conversation from our teaching series, Family First. Uh, you might have noticed uh, last week, if you tried to come to be a part of Epiphany Station's worship experiences, that we chose to be antisocial and cancel all of the services for no good reason whatsoever. In fact, I just want to let you know and clarify, we haven't canceled worship experiences, at Epiphany for 10 years. And the only reason that we did it last Sunday is because we didn't want you to die. That was the sole goal and reason for canceling everything. And we hope that you didn't. And you didn't because you're here. Perfect worked out like a dream. But one thing we noticed when we did cancel is we were concerned that people wouldn't get the information, the communications that we sent out. Um, So we thought today we would just kind of put it in front of you again. If you are part of the community here at Epiphany, this is your home place, this is what you want to be knowing about, then we gave you this blue card as you walked in this morning to be able to fill out just maybe a contact detail so we can make sure you know what's going on. It might be something negative like a cancellation or it might be something positive happening in the church family that we want you to know about. If you weren't a fill this out, we can make sure you know everything that you need to know. You can fill this out and drop it in one of the red boxes that you'll find around the facility this morning. Now those red boxes also are a place where we do something a little bit different. Uh, If it is your first time here, we don't do giving in maybe sort of the more traditional way of church. Uh, There isn't a plate that gets passed down the aisle. Instead, what we'll have is the opportunity for you to give whenever and however you want to. Uh, We want to promote as best we can self-motivated giving. So those red boxes are there for you to be able to drop anything that you wish. We also have a card reader that's on a tablet in the back corner of this space, and if you're watching at home online or you just missed your opportunity to give this morning, you can always give at epiphanystation.com under the giving tab. Now, two weeks ago, we launched into this teaching series called Family First, with the intent of being able to understand what it means to do family, to put it in the place that it belongs, and that's really our solitary goal, to put family where it belongs, So we kind of had this conversation that set the foundation for the rest of our conversations about what it means to actually love another human being. We talked about what it means to God to love someone means sacrifice. It means being willing to put yourself second, to put your things on hold, to put you last so that you might show that love to another. So we're going to take this goal this weekend that we have to put marriage, to put family where it belongs, this idea of what real love is, and jam the two together and put a focus on marriage to make marriage matter, to put it where it belongs in our lives. What we're not going to do is we're not going to seek to tell everyone where marriage should be legally, where it should be in the culture, where it should be in the nation. All we're going to try and have a conversation about is where marriage belongs for us, where we get to put it in our lives or to choose not to. And we're going to do that by having a conversation that comes straight out of a letter that was written to the church a long time ago. A letter that was written to try and carve out what was most important when it comes to loving God and loving people, this is what you need to know. The letter is known today as the book of Ephesians, found halfway through the new half of the Bible, the New Testament. And the book of Ephesians was written just for this purpose alone by a guy called Paul to tell the church, here's how to do everything. Here's how to do a lot of things in a way that will love God and love people. And one of those things is marriage. It's instructional goal for understanding how to do it. So what we're going to do is we're going to pick it up and we're going to read through it and then we're going to hit pause and we're going to process and we're going to stop and we're going to calm down and then we're going to read it again. Because as you see, as we're going to wade into what Ephesians has to say about marriage, it is very difficult. It is often confrontational. It is unconventional. And that means it's going to take us some time to maybe understand what is going on in this purpose God has for marriage. So if you have a Bible, Ephesians 5. If you don't, it's going to be on the screen behind me. Starting in verse 21, this is what the church needs to know about marriage. And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. For husbands, this means love your wives, just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. That is not easy reading for most people, and that also highlights what I'm going to call the biggest and most common reason that marriages don't play out the way that we desire them to, because this does two things. One, it confronts us on what we think marriage is today, and it tries to tell us what it's supposed to be. This highlight here is the reason that we have marriages that are more filled with pain than pleasure. What this tries to point out is the reason that marriage can be more overwhelmed with frustration than contentment, where anger trumps joy. Because all of us come to this conversation on marriage, all of us step into marriage, all of live out marriage with different perspectives of what we consider it to be, different pictures in our minds. We have seen marriage may be portrayed by our parents or others. We've seen maybe the potential that we've had for a marriage, the desire and craving that we have and how we think it will be. We have marriages that we're living in, that we're in the thick of, and we have some marriages that we have left behind. All of these things and the influence it has on us creates for us a picture of now what we think marriage could, would, and should be. In my relationship with my wife, we found out this early does, is that wives often when they're picturing, or my wife when she was picturing our marriage, she had a lot of detail involved. Like she knew kind of what the wedding would be like, and then she knew what the first week would look like in the first year, in the first 10, and then all 99 years of marital bliss were detailed out. I'd thought of none of that, because heck, she was going to put up with me, and then every now and again, maybe there'd be, you know, good times. And that's clearly as far as my mentality went. But both of us were shocked. Both of us were shocked as we stepped into marriage, and none of the pictures that we had in our head came true. This is the most difficult thing I'm gonna tell you today. The picture that you have in your head about marriage does not exist. What you currently think today, be you unmarried or married, the picture you have about marriage does not exist. We often learn that the hard way by stepping in and being so very different, it can be scary, it can be confusing, it can be angering, it can be some of the reasons that a lot of us want to just leave and get out. And for us to move forward, to understand put marriage where it belongs, there has to be some harsh and stark realignment. The reason that the marriage that you have pictured in your hand does not exist is because, quite honestly, we never picture the thing that we don't want. And marriage is is rarely what we want. Marriage rarely ends up being the thing that we thought it always would be because love is actually rarely what we want it to be. Love has a grander design and a greater purpose behind it that outweighs all of our selfish desires for it. And so does marriage. It has a purpose. It has a plan. And the problem that we find is most of us walk through into marriage and throughout it with this illusion of what we think we can make out of it, always being an undercurrent of dysfunction, it never clicking, it never working, it always hurting. So I want us to walk back through Ephesians 5 in a second here. And I want us to walk through it, maybe not with the mentality that maybe just smashed all my hopes and dreams for my future marriage, but maybe instead just what if, what if God does have something to say about what actually makes marriage beautiful, how it was always intended to be, and how you will find the most purpose and the most fulfillment from it. That's how we're going to look at it. So the first thing that Paul says as he writes to the church, God's message on marriage is this, and further, It's the first thing he says because when he says that, he's referring to the whole book of Ephesians. There's no way for us to cover this morning what it means to do marriage. We don't have the time. Letters and letters and letters are written of how to now, because we want a love for God and a love for people, how we now treat people, how we now live our life out. So Paul is looking back for the whole letter of Ephesians so far. The first four chapters and he says, because of all that, Because of Jesus Christ, because of his love for you, because of your love now for him, because of now how the path he's put you on, what he's called you to do and be, submit to one another. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. However you view Jesus and how important he is to you, that is going to be how beautiful and how impactful you can bring your piece of the puzzle to your marriage. He says, for wives, that means to submit. Submit. It means to submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For husbands, that means to give your life, to love your life, to love your wife the way that Jesus loved the church. And the foundation and really the core crooks issue, the sticking point and problem is this word submit. It is to submit because submission is the word we'd rather be dismissing because submission makes us afraid. We become afraid that if we were ever to submit, we would be abused. If we were to submit, it would mean some cold, slave-like subjugation to another human being. That if we were to submit, that we might do that, but our partner definitely wouldn't, so therefore it would be unbalanced. I'd be giving and they'd be taking. We fear submission because of what it actually means, to actually give over your life for this other person. And it starts to sound crazy. It sounds insane, and it's why we start to dismiss it right off the bat when God says, Submit. But it shouldn't be so crazy if we consider that God has things to say. If God has anything to say about real marriage, well, maybe that he was also right about what he had to say about real love. And what he said about real love was, it's sacrifice. So therefore, it should not be surprising when he says real marriage is sacrificial. And so he says, look, wives, for you, that means to submit to him like you would submit to Jesus. And it sounds like what it means. It means that you would choose to make room for, to treat him like he can, should, would, and could treat you like Jesus Christ would treat you. That you'd make room for him to lead. That you'd give him the opportunity to protect and to provide. That you would do all of that for him. Because what God created him to be was like Jesus. And he doesn't get any greater opportunity to be like Jesus than as a husband the opportunity to show things and do these things and sacrifice these things for you. So you submit so he can be all he was supposed to be. And it says for husbands, this is what your submission looks like. Your submission looks like taking your entire life, writing it all down, all your goals, your plans, your dreams, and then overriding that with what's best for your wife. Overriding everything about your life and living instead like Jesus did for the church. Completely sacrificially. Everything he had was for his church. And his goal and his mission for that church was to be more like him. Was to be more like Jesus. To be more about loving God and loving people than anything else. If you're a husband, that now becomes your sole and solitary goal for your wife. For your relationship to her is to you to walk her in likeness, For you to get behind her and in front of her and work through her and with her to give up being passive and just let her work it out on her own, to also step up and confront the things that would hurt her, harm her, and lead her astray, even when that's you, even when that's her. And we do that for her, because everything that she was created to be was in Christ's likeness, that the world would see her to be what she was born to be, and you get to play a part in that. That's very tough to hear. It's all very tough to hear because of the fear It would be easy to do that if we were doing that for a perfect person, but we're not. The person that you're most likely to marry is very imperfect. And if you're past year one of your marriage, you already know this. They're very imperfect. They're very broken. They're very annoying. They're very frustrating, but they're still quite lovely. We can list all of the problems of why we wouldn't do this, why submission is not the answer to marriage. And we list all of these, and it becomes pretty much a self-fulfilling prophecy, God says the way to make marriage work is submission. I say that that will not work, so I will not do it, so I do not do it, and so it doesn't work. All the while pointing to all of the problems why this is not working. Them, they, her, him. The biggest problem that you will ever face in your marriage, the biggest threat, the biggest saboteur, is not the imperfect person that you chose to marry. It is not the jerk on the other side of the breakfast table or the jerk on the other side of the bed. It is the jerk side of you. It is the piece of you that still wants this all to be about you. That is why Ephesians is tough to read. It's why it's tough to talk about Paul and it's difficult to hear from God because what he does is he points out the most fundamental flaw in all human beings as he speaks to marriage. Is that deep down you still want this to be about you and what you can get and how this serves you? And I need you to not do it that way. So I'm going to call you out to sacrifice the most difficult thing for you to sacrifice. The thing you desperately don't want to sacrifice. The thing that will be on the bottom of the list for you to sacrifice. And he says, wives, that means you sacrificing authority. It means for you to parcel that up and give it to him. And husbands, it means you sacrificing your selfish ambitions and goals and your desires and passions and saying, this is now for her. And you take those two things and you hand them over and that's what I'm talking about. That's what real love is. That's what real marriage will be. And that's how it will work right. And it will only work right when we choose to clear away this illusion, this picture that we've had for so long, that marriage is about anything else that marriage is about me, that marriage is just about her and me and the world, and it's just her and me and the kids and me and him. And This illusion has to fade away. This illusion has to die. We have to look past it so we can focus on what marriage was always supposed to be. Because marriage is not an illusion for us to hold up to. Marriage is an illustration that it was destined to be. Look with me at the back end of Ephesians 5. Verse 31, 32, something in there, 32, 33 as Paul kind of clears it up and he says, look, this, getting together, being married as one, it's a great mystery. It's weird. But it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. It is an illustration. So I'm going to say it again. Husbands, you need to love your wives as you love yourselves. Wives, you need to respect your husband. This is the Why? It says the why behind doing it this more difficult way, why we would yield this type of fruit in our marriage, why we would pursue doing it so counterculturally, why we would sacrifice, why we would really love, is because your marriage, the one that you're in, the future one you may become a part of, it was created by God to do one thing and one thing alone, to display, to become an illustration for the most important thing the world will ever hear about. It is why God did not just leave family to a nice idea that he created. He didn't just spout some commands. He created a plan around it. A plan that you would be able to show your husband. You would show your wife. You would show your children. You would show your parents. You would show the church. You would show the world how Jesus loves. That's what you would do. That you would have the opportunity to do what it's always been called to do. Most of us, if we're honest, and I'm included in this started off in marriage and walked for many years considering that this was still about me, that I was center stage. But the plan for your marriage is that you would step to one side and Jesus would take center stage, that how you treat her and she treats you would point directly to him, that husband and wife would become like spotlights on the love of Jesus Christ, that you get to play that part explaining one of the greatest mysteries in the world. The mystery of just how and why God chooses to love us. Why he decided to marry the church. Why he chooses to adopt us as kids. Why he treats us like the cherished bride for all of our spots and blemishes and wrinkles. That he sticks with us through better and worse, rich and poor, sickness and health. This great mystery is what your marriage has been destined to put focus on that you would be able to show it and explain it and it be pointed to. That people would look to the way that you treat one another, for better, for worse, for rich, for poor, for sickness and health, and say, ah, that's love. And then you can say, yeah, that's Jesus. God's plan to show imperfect people that they are loved is to put you into a relationship with an imperfect person and say, I'm going to do that for you how he submits to her, his life, his goals, how she submits to him in leadership. That is what I'm gonna do for you. This is how I'm gonna give everything I have for you. That's the intent of marriage. That's the purpose of marriage. That's the hope that honestly a lot of us need to be reminded of and hold on to as we get into the thick and the mix of doing marriage. That any marriage, that your marriage is a message to the church of Jesus Christ. A message to be read and to be seen, that Jesus loves unconditionally, that he loves with mercy and he loves with grace and he loves compassion and he loves completely. Now this, as we have any conversation, a really difficult conversation like this, a controversial conversation, I just want to make sure that we're being compassionate to everything that you bring into this conversation, while at the same time being bold enough to say there is a future for every single one of us to do it differently. There is a future for us to find purpose in what we have been called to do with our lives. And that calling on us is if we're going to think about marriage at all, it is that we'll put marriage where it belongs by putting it first, by putting it in the place and finding the genuine purpose that it has always had. The most beautiful conversation that we can have is one where at the end, you get to decide. Nothing is forced upon you. You get to choose what you will do with your relationships and with your marriage. All God seeks to do is put a line in the middle and say, look, half of it is illusion. This picture that you've been sold by Hallmark and Disney and Hollywood, that this is what real relationships look like. And you can go into that and you can make it work for 80 years, but there will always be an underlying dysfunction, a frustration and a pain. Or you can let me tell you what the reality of marriage is, what it was destined always to be, what I planned it for. I want to take us back just as we wrap things up here to our core text for the entire series. The thing that we found in this goal to put marriage and to put family where it belongs is found in this threshold moment between people, a whole community together, and God, in which one man stood in front of everyone and said, what are we going to do with our lives and our wives and our husbands and our children and our families? And he said to them, look, I'm going to give you a choice. Everyone has a choice. He says, if you refuse to serve the Lord go ahead. If you refuse to serve the Lord, choose today whom you will serve. You can choose to serve gods beyond the Euphrates that our ancestors did. You can also choose to serve the current gods that are right in front of you in the land we now live, those of the Amorites. But he said, as for me, as for me and my family, as for me and my kin, as for me and my house and my wife and my kids, we're going to serve the Lord. And that means our marriage is going to serve God's purpose. And you get to make that same decision today. You could choose to make marriage matter, to put it in its important place. You could choose today to put marriage first. Now, I want to speak first to those of you who know off the bat already every word that's come out of my mouth. No, that's not for me. I'm not taking it. Either because it might be because you're single and you're not thinking about marriage. Maybe you're dating and you're not there yet. Or maybe it's like, that's just not the way I want to do it. That's okay. Because Joshua gave options, we are also going to give options. You can do whatever you dang well please. This is yours to decide on. I just don't want you to be surprised about what should happen, what will happen. And I do want to give you some advice. If you want this to be about you, if for your life, as far as you can tell so far, you are center stage, it is about fulfilling your needs and your wants and your desires, please don't get married please don't get married, because marriage is not the illusion that if you add someone else in, they will just fit nicely into making it about you. The best case scenario, if you get married and it's still all about you, is you make somebody miserable for a chunk of their life. Do something else. Pursue something else. Pursue you being center stage. Go ahead and do that. That's just not what marriage was built for. Now, you might find yourself, and you don't understand what it means to to put anything other than you or your family or your kids center stage. That's all you were ever taught. That's all you ever know. Maybe you're married right now, and you're confused. You get to choose still how to redirect, how to steer your family. And the one that keeps putting you front and center or your wife or your husband or your kids will still have that underlying dysfunction because they are not trophies. They they, they cannot take the spotlight, they cannot take all of your identity and your esteem and hold it up. So if you are married, you can choose to continue that path with your marriage, or you can choose to do something else. You can do to point it towards what it was always supposed to have been. Now, I'm not saying that you don't deserve to get married, if you don't agree with me. I'm not saying you don't deserve love. I'm just telling you that Christian marriage, God-glorifying marriage, has but one purpose, And you trying to wedge in your other purposes and plans will not go well. They they are what causes the disillusionment, disenfranchisement, and the pain throughout family for sometimes generations. But for those of you who are thinking differently, and this is the singles, and this is the daters, and this is the couples, and this is the marrieds. If you're thinking, I want that, I want God's original plan for marriage, what he wants to do with it, I want to put God first, I want to put love first, I want to step to one side and put Jesus' center stage, then you now know what that marriage will look like. It will look like a ton of sacrifice and submission and devotion, and it will look like commitment. And you get to be part of that. You get to be the one that leads that. So if you are a wife that wants to do that, tell him you want to do that. I want Jesus to be there, and because of that, I want to submit to you as I would submit to him to show you how much he loves you. And if you're a husband and you want to do that for your wife and you want to give up your life and you want to give up your goals and your passions and your dreams and your hopes for her good, then tell her that. Tell her, I want you to see how much your God loves you and I'm going to seek to do that with my life. Tell her that, guys, because we need to chalk up as many wins as we can. We don't get enough. There are so many things that are already so very hidden in marriage and in relationships. Don't let your foundational intent be one of them. Whatever you decide to do, tell her. Tell him. Don't let it go astray and unspoken and undisclosed. To help you do that this morning, I'm going to make you feel incredibly awkward and uncomfortable, like I promised. But it's for your own good, so it's fine. Part of putting marriage first means being willing to take the step and the challenge, even just to have the conversation. So in the minute, I'm going to ask the couples to do something. (laughs) Ha, all the singles just sighed a breath of relief. Dodge that bullet. If you're single, you're going to go home and bookmark this message online, and then when you've got a partner or your spouse isn't here today, you're going to wait for this moment, and then you stare them down like it was a trap. But for the couples in the room, in a moment, I want you to say something. I want you to say something with the intent that you're going to do it, and I want you to be the first one to say it. Don't let them say it first. You be the first one to say it. You take the lead. When I say so, you're going to turn, and you're going to look, And you can say, I want us to talk today about the real purpose of our relationship. That's all I want you to do. Go ahead. Congratulations, those of you who went first. The challenge in that is that you would at least have the conversation. Not really what I'm telling you to do next, not what you've decided to do next, but you would have the conversation. Because your relationship and your marriage can change, and it can be better, and it can be beautiful, but it won't be until you decide for it to be. So choose today. Choose today whom your marriage will serve. Choose today whom your family will serve. Will it serve you? Will it serve them? Or will it serve God? And will you put marriage first? As we wrap up the experience, We're going to have the the music team head up here, and they're going to play a couple of songs of worship. And you get the opportunity then to make use of uh, this time of worship, but also we're going to have our prayer team be down front, down the side of the stages. Our prayer team is always here to serve you, to be here for you. Now it can be for any reason, if it is that you're having something going on with your day, your week, or your month, because let's be honest, February has sucked the life out of most of us, then they're here to pray for you, for that, whatever's going on. But I want to do something specific and focused this morning. Like I have in the first two experiences as they responded to it, I want to challenge couples to come and have their relationship prayed over. It's not threatening. You don't have to share anything about problems or struggles. You can do, but otherwise, you can just come in silence and we can just pray a blessing over your relationship because we desire it to be the message to us, the message to our church, the message to your family, the message to your community that our God loves. And he's going to show it through you. I want you to be the one in your couple that grabs your partner's hand and leads them in this moment to prayer. And if you're the one, the receiving end of that, nothing like a good time to submit than when your partner's trying to lead you into some prayer. So don't be afraid to do that. Let me pray for you guys. Father God, we thank you that you do not allow us to, to sit on our haunches and continue to experience something that is broken and something that is not working. That you have called our marriage to be particular and distinct and beautiful. That you have a plan to use marriage to display to the whole world what real love is. So help us to get over ourselves. Help us to see the ability to serve you with this marriage and with these future relationships as an opportunity to display our love for you. an opportunity to display our love for the world. God, I ask that you would fill men in this room with boldness. That we would be the ones that grab our wives' hands and pray with them. We would be the ones that lead them towards you. We would be the ones that take the charge in being able to lead them into likeness. Father, I ask you to fill the women of this room. I ask you to fill them with boldness. That they would be the ones to grab their husband's hand. That they would be the ones to lead them in prayer. That they would be the ones to lead them in likeness, That we would understand as a family what it means to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. God, we ask you to bless these marriages. We ask you to give us this reason, this purpose for our entire relationship. We ask you to call us to it and not shift off of it for the rest of our day. We ask these things in Jesus' name.